0: Greetings from Covenant Community of LAJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at com. And now, let's open up God's Word. This is why we're here. We gather to celebrate and remember and refocus our lives around a single event that happened 2,000 years ago that defied the laws of nature, defied the laws of physics, but fulfilled the law of God that we might be restored back into relationship with our Creator. Isn't that amazing? Our God is incredible and He loves us and He's made a way for us to be back in relationship with him. He loves us individually. He loves us powerfully. The resurrection of Jesus is the single defining moment of history. If the earth continues to spend another trillion years, there will never be another day that is more important than the day Jesus rose from the dead. We will still in heaven be celebrating what Christ has done for us for trillions and trillions and eons, God has been so good. What we're celebrating right now is, is everything. And the resurrection of Jesus did change everything. Listen, it meant that our enemies, sin and death, no longer rule over us. Amen? That's awesome. It means that not only did Jesus atone for our sin, but he conquered our enemy, death. He proved he could do it for himself, and he promised that he would do it for us, for those who put our faith in Jesus Christ. And it means that the most sure experience that we have, the most sure human experience, we just finished paying taxes, but the one that's even more sure than that is death. And he made sure that that one thing, that death, now is not the end. The resurrection of Jesus opened the door for us to be restored back into fellowship with our God. It means the curse that we deal with every day will soon be reversed. Then all that was broken by sin will be restored. It means that Satan and his army will be defeated. It means that we are free from slavery. It means death is not the end and that we will see our loved ones who've gone on before us who are in Christ once more. The resurrection changed everything, everything. This is why we celebrate it. It's such a big deal. We love Christmas, but there would be no... Christmas, if not for Easter, right? If he doesn't raise from the dead, he's just a good teacher. Because Christ raised from the dead, it means that we have a living hope. He's not dead. He's alive. We have a living hope in Christ. And we, we are blessed, you guys. We live in a time where we can look back at Easter and see what God has done and celebrate that. And I believe in that. We find that living hope. We find courage. We find hope. We find power to really live. And my hope this morning as we look at this is that we walk out of here with a full dose of the hope that God has for us. Easter means that we have hope for eternity, but I want you to take this and bring it down to right now. It means that we have hope right now. It doesn't mean our hope is just waiting for heaven. It means that we have hope right now, that God, our living hope, is at work in us. The message of Easter is this, that God loved us enough to die for us. And he loved you enough to die for you, and is powerful enough to save you. That's an important part. He's powerful enough to save you and give you eternal life, even though you and I do not deserve it, not in any way. In fact, we deserve the entire opposite. That's the beauty of Easter. Jesus' death proves his love and his passion for us. It's just clear. Uh, He demonstrated his love for us by dying for us in such a beautiful way. But his resurrection proves his power. It proves his sovereignty, his ability to overcome, and it proves that he won. Not just that he loves us and that he cared for us enough to die for us, but he's powerful enough to save us. And that is absolutely crucial to the gospel. It's not just a happy thought that someone would love us so much to die for us. It's that that very same person that knew better, that knew our wicked hearts, that even while we were still sinners, he died for us. Was sovereign and powerful And capable and able To do exactly what he promised And that is to raise from the dead And rescue us and set us free You guys we are blessed We have a living hope Because we live in a world with Easter I mean we do In and, and 1 Corinthians chapter 15 This is just 20 years after If you want to flip there you can look This is a great passage You guys who like marking in your Bible This is a good one to mark 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verses 1 through 11 And and we get to see Paul, who's writing just 20 years after the resurrection. So this, by the way, shoots down any anybody's thinking that someday, you know, many, many years after Christians invented this whole resurrection thing. No, they were celebrating this even just 20 years after they realized the significance of the resurrection and were celebrating it. It happened right away. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, Now, I would remind you, brothers, he's writing to a church, okay? I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Here, this is beautiful. This, you Get your pen out. You need to underline this. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day. Amen. In accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter. And then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. And then to the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. This is the apostle Paul speaking. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. He's saying, it changed me. I don't go on the way I used to. His grace to me has made me a new creature. He says, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me all right? Whether then it was it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Listen, Easter changes everything. We live in a world with Easter and we have never needed to be reminded of Easter more than lately. And I believe that with Christians begin to walk as Easter people, that's what some people used to call Christians, that we are Easter people. We are. We walk in view of the resurrection of Christ, and it gives us this crazy otherworldly supernatural hope that not even death can can frighten away and that kind of living has transformed the world god has been at work in a beautiful way all because of the resurrection three quick things just get this easter changed the world easter changed the world And the hope that came out of Easter is still spreading. Even today, not everyone knows. I'm so pleased we've got missionaries rising up in our church. I've had the privilege of meeting this last week with with Michael Roberts, one of our college students who's now preparing in missions down in Clarkston serving with refugees. And oh, if I just had the time to tell you some of the stories that he's told me about how God is, is reaching and working in those apartment complexes down there with refugees from countries that are entirely unreached. You guys, there's still people who don't know that Jesus is risen. There's still people who don't believe that Jesus is risen. And the word's got to go out. It has changed the world, and it's changing the world, and the message is still going forth. And it's incredible. It's changed nation after nation, life after life, family after family. The gospel has been the solution. Christ's resurrection has transformed the world. If you can imagine a world without Christianity, I know that John Lennon thought that would be a better place, but it would not be. It absolutely would not be. When you start thinking about all the the churches, all of the orphanages, all the hospitals, all the universities, all the the empowerment of women, praise the Lord, of all the things that have happened, equality, uh, even even though Christianity made a lot of these mistakes, it's been part of the solution to to racism and all these different things things. God has used the church. God has used his resurrection to change the world. We mark time by it. And the second thing is, I want to ask you this. If Easter has changed the world, has Easter changed you? Has it changed you? Today, I want to give you that hope. And here's the thing. If it's not changing you, I want to ask you, why? Are you living as if there is no such thing as Easter? I want us to stand in the hope that God has. And thirdly, before I get into where we're going next, I want to say this, Easter changes all your plans. (laughs) It really does. The resurrection of Christ changes all our plans for those of us who are in Christ. And Paul writes about it here in 1 Corinthians. He's saying, I worked harder than anyone, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. You can't believe that Jesus rose from the dead and go on like he didn't, right? You can't go on... If Jesus rose from the dead, as if he didn't raise from the dead. And so many of our lives as Christians go on as if he is still dead. And what I want you to know is that he's not. And that you can believe in that. And while today is a celebration, and I didn't feel it was appropriate to break out into a 45 minute long apologetic for why you can believe that Jesus is risen. It is one of the most attacked truths that has ever been And it is one of the most well-defended truths that has ever been. And if you're questioning whether or not Jesus rose from the dead, I can say emphatically, we have more reason to believe that Jesus rose from the dead than any generation except for those who've seen it. Like, we have just seen, there's so much evidence. And I just pray that God works that in your hearts. You still have questions and are struggling to believe. I just want to say there are answers and go dig in. But I'm so glad, as I said before, we are blessed that we are able to look back And we're able to see Easter. We're able to walk in the hope that Easter provides. I'm so glad that we have that. It's a gift that that comes because we have perspective. We're able to, to look back and find hope in what has already occurred. We have the benefit of knowing the end of the story. And it's important, I think, for us at this moment to consider what it would have been like to live in a world before Easter. What it would have been like to live in a world maybe without Easter. There was a time... And I think it's important to realize the beauty of what Christ has done on Easter. There was a time when sin and death seemed to go unchecked. There was a time when they didn't know how things were going to go out. When Satan seemed to rule. And As the story of God is unfolded in Scripture, is, is revealed to us, we see moment after moment that was dark and difficult. And honestly, I think there were some moments when... People mocked those who believed and put their faith in God as if God were somehow some sort of a, a imaginary friend that man invented to provide comfort and, and meaning some of this horror of, of death and meaningless suffering and the things that seem so unnatural in this world, all the, the suffering that we see, that we experience in this cursed planet. But I want you to imagine, i mean, think about this for a minute, that the agony that would have happened. To to appreciate what we've gained, you have to understand what we've lost. If you can imagine what have happened when Adam and Eve stood outside the Garden of Eden for the first time as fallen sinners. Can you imagine the sense of loss, the, the silence? They would never again hear the footsteps of God approaching them in the cool of day with grace and love and kindness. They knew that they were exiled, they were separated from God. He said, if you do the fruit, you'll surely die. And that's exactly what was happening. They were dying and they knew it. They were naked and and ashamed. And here they are being covered by God after they've witnessed the first death. They've realized the expense and the cost of sin. Can you imagine what that would have been like? No, this is before Easter. All they had to cling to was the promise that a deliverer was going to come. But they could never imagine what that was going to look like. They hoped that God would keep his word, but they could not see Easter. It was still ahead of them. Consider what it would have been like to face moments all throughout scripture that were like this without the hope that comes from Easter. Imagine if you think back to to how the Israelites were standing on the bank of the Red Sea with the the giant Egyptian army bearing down on them and they're standing at the bank and and they have no idea how this is all going to pan out I mean they could they could surely be killed right there in the moment that that they were going to be put back to slavery their fear of abandonment had to have been powerful in that moment would God keep his promise in that moment before God rescued they didn't have Easter to look back at to be encouraged by they had to face that only their future hope that maybe this God would come through for them. All in that moment. You can imagine how hopeless they may have felt. Imagine another moment when like, the Israelites were leaving Jerusalem. Smelling like smoke uh, after the, King Nebuchadnezzar had taken over and was burning it to the ground. Surely doubt would have crept in their hearts as they, as they fled away. And they were thinking, here's the God, the people of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The same God who were freed at the exodus, the same people that were freed by him in that moment as they were abandoning a conquered Jerusalem. They didn't know anything about Easter. If you continue on and think, you know, imagine the thoughts of Daniel. He was made a captive when Nebuchadnezzar took over Jerusalem, when it fell. Imagine the day he had to look into a hole, a hole full of lions. And all these years he had spent Time praying several times a day to a God who claimed to be Creator of all things, a loving God who's able to save, a loving God who who cares. Imagine his thoughts as he's looking inside that that pit and seeing lions that were hungry, ready to tear him apart. It would have been a horrible thing. And all Daniel could do was cling to the promise that God would send a deliverer. He didn't know anything about Easter. You know, if you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not much longer later, these three young men were escorted slowly and steadily right in towards the the fiery furnace. And while they're walking in, they didn't have the benefit of being able to look back at what the Messiah had done on Easter. They only had hope that was before them. Yet in each of these cases, these people walked in faith, and they put their hope in what was to come. But there were moments, there were moments in Scripture, if you read it, Where it just seemed like the fate of God's people, the fate of mankind was kind of hanging on a razor's edge. There were days when it seemed like darkness was actually reigning. That the enemy was going to win. And that he was going to be victorious. And all that was good and beautiful and perfect would never be restored. But then came Jesus. Right? And all of a sudden this promised Messiah, this same in Genesis chapter 3. They said there will be a deliverer. And he's going to crush the head of the serpent. He's going to come, and all of a sudden, they've been waiting. There have been false messiahs. They weren't sure. They They were sort of hesitant to believe, but Jesus shows up on the scene, and all of a sudden, when they see him, he starts healing the sick. He walked on water. He spoke with power. He calmed the sea. He gave sight to the blind. He taught them with incredible authority and hope he taught them how to live the way that god intended and they listened to his words and it just burned inside of them they realized that there was power beauty and authority that came with what he was saying he fed them bread he fed them truth and he satisfied their thirst for hope they needed it and for a moment it seemed like the deliverer had come and surely this would have would have been him, right? like surely this was the Messiah, the deliverer, but you got to remember in all of this, after all the excitement, Jesus begins after a few years to start talking about his death and how he's going to to be killed, and they didn't know where to put this in their mind. This was the source of their hope. They thought maybe this is the Messiah, the Deliverer, the one who's going to set us free from the tyranny of the Romans, and they couldn't even comprehend the kingdom of heaven fully. He was trying to get them to understand it, but they were still trying to understand what was really going on behind the scenes, but he was their hope. He was the one they were counting on to deliver them. I want you to imagine how confused they must have been when they witnessed... Judas come in and kiss him in the garden after a very confusing night of Jesus talking about his death. And they saw him arrested and taken away and soon put to trial. And as Pilate condemned him to death by crucifixion while letting a very guilty murderer go free, the confusion How darkness must have crept in. Doubt. It was unbearable for them. In fact, most of them ran away. They couldn't stand it. They couldn't deal with it. They were so confused. It was unbearable. But John stuck around and witnessed it all. They put a crown of thorns on Jesus' head. Shoved it down on his head in a gruesome way. All the while mocking him and insulting him as he carried his own cross to Calvary while he was on that cross for six hours, he suffered. And John and his mother stood near the cross within an earshot, and they watched as they nailed him to the cross. Can you just imagine that for a second? The crushing doubt that would have crept in. I mean, this was our, our hope. We were hoping this was the Messiah that He was going to deliver us from, from Rome, at least, and possibly much more than that. It had to have been overwhelming. And I think it probably clicked, I, I thought about this, it probably, it probably connected with John, that moment when Jesus looks down from the cross and said, this is your mother, I need you to take care of her. I mean, up until that moment, there was still maybe hope, right? The legion of angels would swoop in, take him off, it would conquer the Romans, and all of a sudden in that moment, you realize that the rescue that they may have hoped for, at least the way they imagined it, wasn't coming. And here they stand. I mean, Jesus is not just this random person sin anymore. Jesus had become far more than a friend. He started as a, a stranger, but he had become a friend. He'd become a rabbi in their life. He'd become teacher. And recently they were beginning to understand, as they watched him multiply food and even raise the dead, that this was not just a good teacher. This was Messiah. And yet they stood at the foot of the cross, Watching the Romans, just sinners, execute their hope. Silence must have been deafening. As he said, it is finished. To to thy ends I commit my spirit. And he died. Darkness fell. The earth began to quake. As if in mourning... At that point, they couldn't see that behind the scenes, a veil was tearing. That even though in the moment where it felt like there was the greatest defeat, that behind the scenes, that the God of the universe, the God who made the promise back in Genesis chapter 3, not for one moment had taken his hands off the steering wheel. Not for one moment had lost his sovereign control. Now, for one moment, had he moved his eye off of his purpose, and that was to reveal his glory through the love of his son, through the sacrifice of Jesus, that we might be restored into relationship with him for his glory. And that, you know, they couldn't have seen all of that. Instead, all they saw was Jesus dying on the cross and they laid him in the tomb And when they did this, I want you to know that none of them knew about Easter. Just like these other people, they didn't have any concept of that. They'd never read that story. They didn't have any idea how this was going to turn out. In fact, it can be pretty well expected that none of them expected him to raise from the dead. They probably expected a lot of things, but none of them expected him to raise from the dead. They'd heard him mention it. They heard him talk about it. And honestly, they were probably a little confused by it, but none of them clearly expected it it wasn't as though they were just waiting on pins and needles for him it wasn't like they called a meeting hey we're gonna have a sunrise service and we're all gonna be there they didn't they didn't understand they weren't expecting this and of course not just when they ate of the fruit remember they said if you eat of the fruit god told them if you eat of the fruit and you'll surely die death is as sure a part of human experience as anything We've ever experienced. It's it's because of sin. It's because that sin reigned. It's because death reigned. And what Jesus was doing here as he died, something they'd seen before. They'd never seen a dead person raise themselves back to life. Now they had seen Jesus raise some people back to life, but he wasn't here anymore. He was dead. What are we gonna do? Jesus is dead. As they lay there lifeless and still, they had to realize the one we pinned our hopes on is actually dead. He's in a tomb. And if he's dead, he can't save us. If he's, and I want you to hear this. If Jesus is dead, their reaction was about right. They'd seen Jesus do a lot of things, but he's dead. And the apostles scattered. Listen, if Jesus is dead, church, he can't save us. If he's dead, we're still in our sin. If he's dead, we will also die and stay dead. And our faith is worthless. Our preaching is worthless. There's no point to us gathering. There's no need to come back here next week if he's not alive. You know, There's no version of Christianity where you just kind of do the religious thing and enjoy some of the benefits of church and this is a country club kind of deal and we enjoy the religion and we think it's a good creed and people behave better when they've got a little religion in their life. Like all of that is worthless and Paul says we are above all men to be pitied most if he is not alive. If our Savior is dead, we might as well scatter and go back to our previous way of life, almost like these disciples did. They thought he's dead. They started fishing again. Some who were fishermen went back to fishing. They began to lose hope and they realized that there was no way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Listen, if he is dead, then he's certainly not the truth because he said he'd raised from the dead. He's certainly not the life because he's dead. He's not the way of heaven because he's dead. And if If Jesus is a liar and can't follow through with what he says, then we can't trust anything. Listen, if Jesus is dead, we have no hope. We should go back to what we were doing before. Don't waste our time doing this. If you believe in some sort of version of Christianity where you said, but the resurrection, I'm not sure about it. Listen, get out. There's no hope if he's not alive. We're here because we believe he is. And he is alive. Praise the Lord. He's living in me and he's living in many of you. And I pray... I pray that God begins to grant this hope that, that, that because he is alive, now we can live. But this is why we're here. Honestly, I believe some people live as though Jesus is dead. I think many have stopped believing that he has risen over the years. And you may be here, and I just want to be honest. You might be here, and you might be going along with this version of Christianity Because uh, you want your kids to believe in it. you may want your grandkids to believe in it. And you're sticking it out. But somewhere along the line, your faith began to flicker. And eventually, almost seemed to fade out. And you're like, I don't even know if I believe anymore. I kind of wish I did believe. But I don't know. Listen, listen. I want you to know this. He is alive. He did raise. He did. It's one of the most proven things in history. And again, it's uh, an apologetic. It's not my goal today. I want to spend 30 minutes on doing it. But listen, I'll just tell you a few things. Like, You don't give the, the opportunity to be the first eyewitness to a bunch of women if you want this to hold up to scrutiny at this stage. Now, that's not to say anything. Of course, we believe you know, God has make, made us equal in value and equal in importance. Right, students? We're talking about that. Uh, we get that. <laughs> but different in roles. This is something we're talking about on Wednesday nights. Y'all should send your students. Uh, but here's the thing. God, God has done that. But women were not accepted in court. Their testimony was worthless at that point. You don't let them be the ones who saw it first if, if this is the deal, right? Like, you, don't, you don't do that. Uh. <laughs> you don't. this is not a story that was invented a hundred years later by a bunch of creative people who wanted to start a religion. What I'm reading you, or I already read you, is from 20 years after. I mean, this happened right away. And every one of these people... Yeah, he's actually twenty years later. He's referring back to. He's like some of this five hundred. They're still alive. You want to fact check me? Go back to Jerusalem and talk to some of these people. Some of them are still there. They'll tell you exactly what I said. Like it was coming with that kind of power that soon after it was there. To more, so much so that every every disciple except for John died, and you could say John that maybe have had it even worse, particularly uh, depending on how you understand that tradition. But but honestly. They all died martyrs' deaths. Not a single one of them was able to abandon this thing. When put to fire, when put to uh, hammer and nails, uh, to be crucified upside down and burned and boiled, these people stood by what they said. You don't do that for a funny trick to play on centuries down the road. These people saw what they saw, and they said, We were eyewitnesses, and we believed. And that kind of courage, that kind of power, that kind of hope changes you. And you don't go back to your previous way of life. And you change the world after that because the power of Christ and the grace of God is with us and working within us. And this is exactly what happened in that moment. He's lying still. None of them expected him to raise. But let me read from you. It says this. This is awesome. This is in John chapter 20. It says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. And while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple. That's what Steve was talking about. Now she's running. The one whom Jesus loved and said to them, she's not sure what's going on, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. They're like, what? he's not there. You can tell. This is high alert. We don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple. And they were going toward the tomb. i got to see this for myself. In verse 4, it says, both of them were running together, but the other disciple, <laughs> the author of the book, wants us to know he was quick. Uh, Peter, <laughs> good job, John. Peter, and <laughs> he tried to be humble, the other disciple, but it didn't work. Uh, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. But then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For yet, as they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead, then the disciples went back to their home. They're like, he just might be alive, because his clothes are, are here, and his face glosses is over here. We haven't seen him yet, but he's not here, and we need, to, we need to get going. And so this happens. It says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stood, she stopped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord. Indeed, they had. Remember all the hope that they put in Jesus. He was their, their living hope, and then now he's dead. And he was their Lord. They'd watched him calm the seas, but now he's dead. They'd placed their hope in him, but he was gone. She said, they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she didn't know it was Jesus. Okay, I love this. Jesus speaks, woman, why are you weeping? whom are you seeking supposing him to be the gardener she said to him sir if if you've carried him away tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away and then Jesus says Mary she turned and said to him in Aramaic Rabboni which means teacher and Jesus said to her do not cling to me I believe she probably was clinging to him at this point (laughs) for I have not yet ascended to the father but Go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So I want to skip over to Luke chapter 24, and you get to hear this account from them. This, still they've not seen him, only Mary Magdalene. And Luke chapter 24, verse 36, it says, As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself Stood among them. They're talking about it. Is he alive? What's going on? Did you see him? No, I haven't yet. But I saw him, and it says he says to them, "Peace to you." But they were startled and frightened. Yeah, you think, and and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, "Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet. That it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. This is real body." raised from the dead that's hopeful for you and I and when he had said this he showed them his hands and his feet and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling I mean they're looking at this and they're like (laughs) just can you imagine as they're marveling seeing this and trying to believe yet still dealing with some disbelief Jesus speaks he says you guys have anything to eat? (laughs) Like, I love that. It was just a perfect, appropriate thing to say. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. So while they're sitting there, like, he's like, how you guys doing? (laughs) Fish is good, by the way. Like they're sitting there like, is he, this is real. And he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the Old Testament, remember, before there was Easter, before they knew about Easter, before they knew anything about Easter, they had to hope in the future. They didn't know what it would look like. He says, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written. That the Christ, the Messiah, speaking of himself, should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. We don't have time to get into that part, but he says, I am alive just like I promised. I told you to put your faith in the future. And, and they did. And they believed in what they couldn't see. And they believed ahead of time. They had to Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego as they went into the fire. They said, our God is able to save, but even if he doesn't, we'll trust him. As Daniel was being thrown into the lion's den, he said, we haven't seen the delivery yet, but I trust that one's coming. It allowed himself uh, to be thrown into a den of lions. The, over and over and over again, people put their faith in something that was undefined in the future and they were to walk with a future hope. But now we, who are the Easter people, get to walk in a living hope. We have the benefit of perspective seeing how the story has unfolded and see what God has done for us. Can you imagine them sort of realizing this? I imagine it kind of happen. Wave after wave, they began to understand a little bit more and a little bit more the full magnitude of what God has done. Each wave kind of washing away a little bit more doubt until they were able to see that the Savior is actually alive. Jesus was dead. They're like, I, I watched him die. I helped bury him. I mean, this, this, this guy was not alive anymore. We put him in a tomb. He was still. He was there for days. And yet I'm looking at him my teacher is alive so if he's alive then what he said must be true and if what he said is oh man this is the messiah this is not just a man this is the son of god and he's alive and he's real and he actually has a body and if he rose from the dead that means that he, he's conquered sin and death if we sin and we deserve to. We will surely die, and Jesus is not dead anymore. This changes everything. They touched him. They saw that he was real. They understood it, and it sunk in, and he began, as I said, he opened their minds up to the scriptures, and they began to understand the prophecy, and they began to understand that God had not lost control for a second. There was no point where the outcome was kind of unsure in heaven. It might have looked a little shady here on earth. There might have been some dark days where it looked like the enemy was going to win here on earth. But not for a moment did anyone in heaven think that God was going to fail. Not for a moment did they think even for a second in heaven that Jesus would fail at his job. And here he was alive having conquered sin and death and hell. And he's explaining that all was not Lost. God was not an imaginary friend invented by men to help them cope with the horror of living in a cursed world. He is alive. He came. He saw. He lived a sinless life. He died in our place demonstrating his love. And he rose again demonstrating his power and his victory over our enemies. It's amazing. And then we get this message coming from the same author who wrote just 20 years later. He writes to the Romans. He says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth you profess and are saved. He's saying, if you believe and put your faith in what Christ has done for you, you can't be saved. There would be no salvation if Jesus couldn't save himself. If God had not risen from the dead, then we would have no hope. If Jesus had not risen, we would have no hope, but we do in Christ. And now if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, declare with your mouth that he is the Lord. There is salvation for you. In Colossians chapter 2, he says this. When you were dead in your sin and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive. We were dead because we sinned, right? We have this sin nature. We are guilty of sin. And just as Adam and Eve were surely going to die, so the same is true with us. That death is a part of our story and no one alive has escaped it, escaped it except Jesus. And he writes, you are now alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sin, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is our savior who came and conquered our enemies. And this, that same chapter that was written 20 years after the resurrection, Paul writes, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Listen to this confidence. Death is swallowed up in victory. (laughs) Oh, death, where is your victory? Where's your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, amen, who gives us the victory, us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is raised, because he is victorious, we are now victorious in Christ. Because he died, we were also dead. And because he rose, we rise with him. And now we've been made alive in Christ. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's not pleasant to think of a world without Easter. And I'm happy to tell you, That you aren't in one, but many, many live as though they are. Listen, there is an amount of despair and doubt and defeat and hopelessness, even in our community, that breaks my heart. And you may be sitting here right now, and you're looking at your own life, and it feels like everything's dying around me. The corruption and corrosion that sin brought into this world is just wreaking havoc in my own life and my family Every, everywhere. It just seems like the enemy's about to win. And I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering if, if there's hope dealing with depression and despair. You guys, suicide is on the rise. There's so much pain out there. But God, right? But God has given us a living hope. I want to say this to you. If you're sitting here and you're like, I'm not sure if I can even believe this stuff anymore. I'm despairing. I'm in pain. I'm hurting. My family's, seems like death is winning. Can I just challenge you? Death did not win, and you don't have to live like it won. We are the Easter people, and hallelujah is our song. It's been said throughout history. It's beautiful in that we are the Easter people and hallelujah is our song. We can walk with the confidence knowing that Jesus rose from the dead. We don't have to look at our future hope. We look at our present living hope in Christ who is already one. And listen, if you're experiencing death and pain in your life, And you want joy in your life instead. You want freedom in your life instead. You're sick of the slavery uh, that you're experiencing. Can I tell you that it's in Christ? You're like, well, I accepted Christ when I was a kid. Can I call you back to your faith? Can I call you back to your hope in the resurrection? And challenge you, listen, if you've given your life to Christ legitimately and have begun to live your life as though he is dead, listen, I want you to look squarely into heaven. And I want you to see Jesus interceding for you at the right hand of God. He's still alive. He's gone to make a place for you. It is real. It's as real as this platform I'm standing on. And I want you to know that there is freedom. There is joy and the, the life that God brings. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life and that life begins now. It begins now. The life that God has for us is not something that's 20, 50 years down the road. It's not after you die. It's not when you get to heaven. Yes, we will experience that life in a way we cannot experience it now. We'll be glorified in him. It's going to be amazing. But the life that God can bring to your spirit. He says, you must be born again. The problem is that you were dead. You need to be awakened. You need to be alive in Christ. There is life even now. You don't have to walk around like a zombie, barely alive here. There is life. We're dead in our sin, but Christ gives us a living hope. He is alive, and he makes us alive because he's conquered in the resurrection. I pray that if you are functioning in any of those places, that God brings you a new and living hope. I want to read this to you as we close. If you guys want to get ready, go ahead. Uh, This is 1 Peter chapter 1. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me read that again. He's saying, basically, praise God. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be what? Born again into what? A living hope. We have a living hope in Christ through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable. It's not going anywhere. It's undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And he says this to people. He says, in this hope, in this living hope, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various kinds of trial." So that the the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire. He he acknowledges right here. Listen, he's like, we have this hope. I know some of you guys are being tested. I know some of you guys are dealing with pain. I know some of you guys are dealing with difficulties in your life. I know some of you guys feel like this is the end, that God is not coming, that there is no hope. I get that. And he says to them, even though you're facing all kinds of difficult trials and your faith seems to be being tested, that even God knows this. He says, they're being tested that your faith might be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Christ is revealed. Yes. Though you have not seen him, you love him. That's not always easy, is it? When I read that, my heart just goes like, ah. I have this moment where I'm like, man, I just want to see him. It would be so much easier if I could see him. It's like Peter, he's writing, he's like, I get this guy, so I know you haven't seen him. I know you're suffering. I know it looks hopeless, but you guys still love him. You've put your hope in Christ. And though you can't see God, you can take the eyewitness account of one who did see Jesus raised from the dead. And we can walk, he says though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy like you were a few minutes ago that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Listen, guys, you have a living hope in Christ. We admire the hope that we see in the Old Testament, but we have a living hope with the perspective that comes from knowing what happened in Easter. And now we can step forward into our trials, into our difficulties, into the pain, into places that look like death is winning, and walk in victory, live in hope, and bring life and peace and healing and be God's people going out with the gospel to the ends of the world with his grace with us, with his power evidence through us as we go out and bring redemption and healing and hope to the rest of the world, this living hope that has changed the world already and is still changing it. And there's more to change, including Gilmer County. And we're praying that God will use us, his Easter people, to go out and bring hope to our culture to bring healing through the gospel that people place their faith in Jesus Christ and come to repentance in him place their faith in him and be transformed by the gospel as they are born again those who were dead are made alive and all of a sudden our communities start looking alive all of a sudden our churches start looking alive all of a sudden a region starts looking alive you guys this is what changed the world and it's happening even now and it spreads and spreads and God is given glory and praise listen if you're not a believer I want to invite you out of whatever world you were living in that doesn't have an Easter. And I want to invite you into a world with Easter. Jesus is risen. He's alive. His death proved how much he loves you. And his resurrection proves that he's able to save you. There is no salvation aside from Jesus. There is none. There's no amount of promises that you can make. It's the promise that God made to send a deliverer. He said, I'll fix it. You got to put your faith in Him and come in repentance and lay your heart down and say, I've got nothing. I have no hope that comes from me. You're my only hope. You're my living hope, not all the stuff I think I might do tomorrow that'll fix everything, you're it. I need you to come in and make me alive. I'm dead, I need to be made alive in you. I have nothing to promise you, I have nothing to barter with, nothing to give you in return, and you have no reason to admire or respect and want me, yet you do, because you made me, and even though I can't explain that, and I don't understand that, and even though I'm struggling with a little bit of confusion, even though I'm still wondering, I'm listening to these guys who saw you eat a fish, and I know you conquered death there's death all around my life right now I need you to conquer it I need you to come to death in my life I need you to conquer it and I need you just make me alive I got nothing I just need you I want to be alive I want to be alive and this is the beginning now but hey here's the cool thing it just continues you in Christ will never really die you have been given eternal life in Christ or else you would have gone to make a place for us listen this is why we celebrate Easter this is why we need to be reminded Christ died He was buried, and he rose again, and it changes everything. And just as I said at the beginning, has it changed you? It's got to be personal. It's a nice truth to celebrate, but is it in your heart? We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship we believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. If you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.